Ends Well Boxing. You're welcome on in. Ireland's Boxing Weekly Podcast on all things amateur, professional, domestic and international. If you'd like to find a link for all the previous episodes on any platform or if you'd just like to keep an eye on our social media, you'll find all of that and more in today's show notes. You're very welcome on in to this first episode of Season 3 of the podcast. How do we follow a summer of superb amateur boxing where the nation dared to dream and believe again? The answer, I guess, as always, we don't follow. We lead. There's plenty going on in the boxing world. We're going to have a look back over what's been going on in the news around the world, I suppose, over the last a snapshot. Well, I wouldn't say the first time, but it's certainly like one of the first times I've really thought, yeah, he, like as a pro, he really can do it at that level. We're going to have a special guest in the form of Carl Greaves. Some will know Carl as a former world champion. Some will know Carl as a trainer to David Avenisian and more. Some will know Carl as a promoter. And others will be familiar with Carl as being part of the boxer setup and promotions and now involved deeply with Sky Sports Boxing as they announced the early stages of life after Eddie Hearn. We've boxed Alex Arthur, European champion, WBO interim world champion, boxed Michael Gomez, he won a WBE, he was a bit, bit bigger than WBF. And I boxed Carl Johansson, he, was a, he won the British, beat Ricky Burns, dropped him five times. Carl is going to tell us all about that and more and we're going to hear a little bit from father and coach, mentor and inspiration for the Aaron and Stephen McKenna brothers duo who box of course tonight on the Mick Hennessy card, Channel 5 Live with Brett McGinty. What we try to inject into the boys is get the knockout, it's something you have to feed a boxer. And the minute they look into each other's eyes, the, the fooling's over. You can tell by looking into a fighter whether he is trained properly. Please be sure to like, share, pass it about, support Lots of nuts coming up on the YouTube channel over the coming days and weeks. It's an absolute privilege and a pleasure as always to be in your ear for this first episode of the brand new season, which promises to be, it promises to be exciting, it promises to be action-packed, promises to be unpredictable, promises to have a whole lot of a different feel to it. Now, with some new players in the game, with some new promoters, with some new teams and matchups and some of the same old stuff thrown in for good measure so certainly won't be lacking any excitement before I get into all that let me take a hot minute just to firstly apologize for the delay in between episodes and then I suppose to let you know and fill you in and inform you as to what that's been about the last episode I think I told you that I had been suffering a little bit with a bout of kidney stones which anyone that's gone through no joke it is no joke But in that episode, I was hopeful, I was positive, and I was expectant to be over the worst of it, heading into a open road of good health and awareness of just what can and had happened. Sadly, that wasn't to be. And if I'm being honest now, and I listened back to that episode only last night, I I knew things weren't the way I wished for. I knew there was something just, something just wasn't right. And it's easy to see now what it was, but to explain it, Basically, it had. I still. I was still suffering quite a lot of pain in my right side, which had moved across from which had been originally the left. I put that down to the remains of passing the whatever kidney stones were there, and for the body just to be repairing itself. But I was ignoring symptoms, and I was ignoring silly symptoms. I couldn't. I was managing pain every four hours by taking saltine. I was passing blood. I was ignoring that, and it was just fatigue 
constantly tired. I might do the simplest thing like cleaning windows or cutting grass or even recording a podcast, writing a little bit. I'd find myself asleep on the sofa for maybe 15-20 minutes, like almost like an old man. And it wasn't making sense, you know, and it was causing me a lot of anguish because I was thinking about it. I was wondering what it was and said, look, trying to stay positive, trying to do what I could do. It was came to a head on a Friday night I fell asleep on the couch watching TV and I woke up with a searing pain in my side is all I could describe it as as if somebody was pushing a hot poker into me and look I'm not great with pain I would have considered myself in the past to be quite poor with it to have no pain threshold and I'm okay with that because I don't believe people should or need to have a pain threshold I think if you've got pain it's a sign something's wrong I can say that now and take my own advice what had happened goes back maybe 12 months before that when I thought I was convinced maybe I had got an early stage of COVID. I didn't. I got that back then was kidney stones, which I had no clue about. <laughs> Naivety of it. So I passed those first kidney stones 12, maybe 14 months ago. But since that, what had happened, it caused damage to my appendix, which had set in about causing a blood infection. And effectively... For 14 months, slowly but surely poisoning myself. I had a serious blood infection which had caused the appendix to impact and almost rupture. But in doing so, formed a little mass with my bowel on the right hand side, which was so critical at one point. I was 24 hours fasting to have a kidney removed for reduced capacity and functionality. That is terrifying. Terrifying. Thankfully... The staff, the team, the crew in Nace Hospital, let me say this here right now. And let me say to anybody who's had different experiences, every one of us have had our experiences. All I can tell you is that those people over there, absolute amazing. Incredible. What they have done, how they have done it, how they manage. They are so much more than a nurse, so much more than a, a an assistant, so much more than even doctors. So from my experience... And how they looked after me and how they treated me, how they helped me back from the brink of, of, of that. Because I can tell you I wasn't in a good place. I was upset. I was I was very, very nervous. I was very worried. And throw all the COVID restrictions in on top of that. You're getting no family. You're getting no visitors. You're getting nothing. You're there with your thoughts on a gurney in a corridor for two nights. And it took a lot. It took a lot. And, and I learned a lot from it. But the point for me is don't ignore symptoms. You've got a pain, it means something. Don't be trying to do that typical bravado bullshit where, oh yeah, I'll be grand, I'll be grand, I'll be grand, I have to do this. Stupid. It could have cost me dearly. It hasn't. I'm not over it yet. I'm already, I feel, I already feel brand new. And I'm not even close to 100% yet. So what am I going to feel like when I am is 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 amazing. So I, as again, that is the reason, and again, I apologise for the delay, but it was certainly, to say I was out of my hands, I think is, is, well, I think it's safe to say. Still have a couple of procedures to go through, surgical, and basically made some changes to my lifestyles, made some changes to my diet, and it's, in truth, it's been a reality check. It's been like a little tap on the shoulder. I've never really been sick. I've never really broken any bones. I've never had any hospitalisation. I've never had anything, and it was just a little tap on the shoulder as if to say, listen, this can't carry on. You're going to have to keep an eye on this. You're going to have to watch yourself. And watch myself, I will. Watch myself, I will. So how are you keeping? How are you? You're looking great. You're looking rested. I hope 
the last few weeks have been better for you. I hope you're looking forward now with the kids back to school. We've got that open road now with COVID. We have got the vaccines. Okay, the cases are spiralling a little bit. Have we got a, a lockdown coming? Who knows? Who can tell? As Christy Moore would say. But the point is, this time last year, I remember saying to you, as you sat there with your earphones in and giving me some of your time, I remember saying, stick together. Stay with us. Come on, jump on here. And we'll all stick together. And we'll all get through it. And look where we are now. So for that, thank you. For sticking with me, thank you. For liking, sharing, contributing in every way you do means the world to me and for everybody that did find out or know that I was under the weather a little bit and got in touch thank you from the bottom of my heart so I said about this episode this week all set to go on Monday and Windows goes and does it again the latest update has just set my machine computers into a boot loop where it just constantly go and start stop start stop so that's been sorted out as I speak right now to you on my old bockety laptop into an old USB microphone And in truth, it's testing using any and all expertise and experience I've managed to garner over the last couple of years. So I hope it sounds okay for you. It is, as I said, a temporary thing. Just the latest in a little series of tests. Little questions or trials that are kind of asking me, well, how are you going to deal with this? And I'm going to deal with them the same as I always do. Looking forward to what's coming for the season ahead in terms of the podcast, in boxing terms, and just life in general. You're going to hear about all the guests, all the collaborations. You're going to hear about our new sponsors. You're going to hear about all of that. And then a whole lot more over the next couple of minutes. And, of course, over the coming episodes. I think it's safe to say there's been a changing of the guard in recent times. Definitely in boxing. With more than a few stalwarts and renowned household Irish boxing names deciding to hang up the gloves over the last couple of years. It's now time we're starting to see some of that new prodigious talent blossom and push through into the upper echelons, not just of professional boxing, but into the higher-end rankings. Two of those lads are, of course, Aaron and Stephen McKenna, who, again, lit up the show for McKennessy on Friday night last on Channel 5, both with different type of wins than what we've seen over the last while, but impressive nonetheless. This is a clip of an interview that I did with their dad, their mentor, their inspiration, and the driver behind the whole McKenna, Team McKenna show. And you get a little feel, and you might just be able to see what it is that makes this team so special, that makes them tick, and keeps them so relevant, and pushing for those headline-grabbing, social-media-grabbing clips all the time. Here's Fergal McKenna. We just focused on, on being ready, so when there was an opportunity to arises, we, we made sure that we would... We're planning to be ready for it. So we never ever took our foot off the pedal and kept preparing as if we were in training camp mode. And, you know, we didn't uh, get into a situation where we overtrained. We we done a lot of practices. We practiced, uh, you know, on our weaknesses and, uh, and made, uh, you know, our boxing, you know, better. So when you've seen the boys towards the end of the year, you've seen the way they fought. There was an immense improvement in both of them because of what we'd done. And, you know, we were so fortunate, you know, that McKennessy came along at the right time because it has given Stephen a great opportunity now to, uh, you know, to get to where he needs to go. You know, I've no doubt Stephen will become a world champion, particularly under McKennessy's directive. He's a real shrewd boxing promoter 
with Mick, there's an awful lot more output than talk. Look at the fighters that are signed there now. You've seen Shaq and Pitters, you've seen Stephen coming in, quite a few others. It's exciting times. Their style is made for TV. One of the things that jumped out off the screen at me was not just the visually, but the sound of the shots the lads were landing. There was a malice, there was a... It was an aggression, but it was a controlled aggression. It's the, the benefits of, of having your own facility and, and the forethought of building that and all that, they really, really came into their own this year. Absolutely, yeah. When we were in Los Angeles, we were training, you know, the same way as we train here. But because of the travel and, and the time it takes to go from gym to gym, uh, you don't get the same amount of recovery. So what we noticed here was <clears throat> because we trained, you know, in the, in the gym at the back of the house here, we had a lot of recovery time and it really benefited us that we could train even longer and harder. We try and mimic that 1980 style of fight. We're big fans of, of that era, you know, the Hagler, Sugar Ray Leonard, the Roberto Duran type fighters. We're big believers and we think, you know, the fans need that. You know, sometimes when you watch a lot of the, you know, the fights nowadays, you know, they're hard to watch. They're uh, so disciplined. They're so born that uh, you know most of the fights i see nowadays i don't even watch them because they're, they're there's no entertainment in them fighting's all about getting the you know the knockout if you can't get the knockout then you know you you, you go for the points decision but it should always be exciting and the day that you lose that excitement you know you're far better off maybe doing something else because boxing's uh, you know a tough game and it's very demanding you could never have envisaged what went on the last 12 months. Nobody could, I guess. But Yeah, of course. Well, we we love what we're doing, and that's half the battle, you see. So when when you're working at something that you know that you totally enjoy every day you do it, uh, you've really nothing to worry about. So that's, that's one of the things that we've noticed that uh, leaves it that wee bit easier for us. And... The boys, as I was saying before, you know, they train immensely hard. We, we do a lot of repetitive type training. And sometimes it could come across as boring, but only if you make it boring. We we sort of keep, you know, changing it and making it, uh, you know, that, you know the, the training sessions so that they don't become, you know, uh, a, a boring session. We, we keep changing things around, but it's constantly repetitive all the time, just repeating the same skills over and over and over and making them better and better. It's fascinating to see the two total different styles, but the one thing that they have the same is the attitude, the approach. It's a breath of fresh air, I would say. You're absolutely right. When you look at Stephen and he's fighting, you know, when he's learning the trade, he's fighting, you know, these tough journeymen. And believe you me, they're tough. Mm. They're as tough as, as you can get. You know, to stop them sort of type journeymen, it's an art in his own and you might hear some people say, oh, he's better going for a pints decision and learn the trade. Stephen learns the trade, you know, in training camp. In between fights, we're possibly doing anywhere up to 150, 180 rounds of sparring. And the sparring's just equally as tough as the fights. So the learning is done in the sparring. What what we try to inject into the boys is get the knockout. It's It's like teaching somebody how to knock out someone. So if you start a fighter off and... He's used to winning on points, and he he goes through his first half of his fights, and he, he's he's never got a knockout. He he might never get a knockout because a, a knockout is something you have to feed a boxer. So with Stephen, he's had seven KOs out of his seven fights. 
Oh, you know, some of them fights we could have went down and says, uh, you know, let's do six rounds and, and learn. But we believe we're learning more by going for the KO because you need that killer instinct. If you don't have that killer instinct when you fight the best fighters in the world and inject that fear into them, if you have that mentality of I'm going to go out here and run in pints, you need Mike Tyson sort of attitude where you scare the different daylights out of them. Before the fight starts, knowing that the boy he's going to run against is going to try and knock him out. So we come in with that attitude and it's the same with Aaron. He, uh, first and foremost in his mind, is get the KO. He's a very technically skilled fighter and he does things differently. He'd break down a fighter more than Steven. Stephen just goes for the joker straight away, where Aaron will be, uh, you know, tactful in, in his approach, and he's very accurate with his shots. Doesn't maybe hit as hard, but uh, very, very accurate and places his shots well. And I think that was very evident as well in his debut when, when I was, I think it was Aaron's debut when the fella came out and decided he was going to try and he was going to do, he was going to try and all man him and, and almost, you could almost see that light bulb clicking. And I think what makes it a little bit more intriguing, Fergal, is as well, there's no, there's no BS around it. It is what it is. They come out, they're pleasant, they're polite, they do their media, they talk, but there's no, you don't go overboard. There's a lot to be said for the old style approach. Get in, get your work done, and let your fist do the talk. Absolutely. Well, you know, that, that fighter, he's going into the ring. He's the boy that has to produce the goods. He's the boy that has to do what he said he's going to do. So if, 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 you, if you have the wrong mannerism or, or you're selling yourself in a way that you're trying to fool your opponent, it doesn't wash. The minute, you know, the two fighters meet, you know, at the weigh-in, the minute they look into each other's eyes, the, the fooling's over. You can tell by looking into a fighter whether he is trained properly. You can tell by looking at his body whether, whether he has pre- prepared, you know, the right way. So when the boys go in there in, in, in that fight zone, straight away they're examining the fighter. They're, they're you know, using their awareness to see exactly, you know, what level that fighter is on and they're making judgments of how to beat him. They don't really have to do any talking because... You know, talking is a camouflage if mm. you if you haven't prepared properly. So you'll use maybe talking to intimidate or to scare or to manipulate your opponent if you haven't prepared properly. So the boys don't need to go down that road. Uh, you know, they just they just do the business in the ring and do their talking in the ring, and it it comes across well. And their mannerism is catching on to the to the fight fans. The fight fans appreciate that that uh, approach that they use and so far so good Rachel Charles doesn't talk too often so when you see her putting stuff on social media and she's saying she's excited about this and excited about that you know there's something the wheels are moving in the background and that's they know what they've got and you know what you've got so it's just it's it's exciting times ahead in a year as I said to the lads where a lot of people were stood still they weren't able to do anything you guys have not only moved forward you've improved and you're now looking forward to stepping up another level or two yeah, Rachel has done great work with the boys. She she has really in in the way that suits their fighting style and their their mannerism established characteristics of the lads and she's used that to present them PR way that it that suits them. She doesn't overdo it, she just does it perfectly. And if you look from the very start of the boys' careers, I, I don't think you would see boys as well publicized as two McKenna lads were. As a coach and as a dad, the decision for the lads to change from amateur to pro, their styles now, everybody can see why why they went when they did. But it's a difficult move at the same time, at any time, for a young fella to go into that, that to the sport with all the pitfalls and all the trappings. But 
it must have been an awful lot. I want. I don't even want to use the word easier. It, it, it just made them a little bit more secure, knowing that they had you guys around them. Uh, you know, I remember quite vividly. You know, when we were making the decision to turn pro, Aaron was like only seventeen years of age. Uh, you know, a lot of the people that was involved in boxing in my circles, a lot of them were all saying that we were mad. You know, ninety nine percent of the people were saying that it was a wrong decision. It was a bad decision, but we believed. You know, and what we were doing and the direction we were going, and we stuck to our guns. And it's proven now that when you look back, that it was a very wise decision. Uh, we were very fortunate, you know, uh, done what we'd done. Because who would want to be involved in amateur boxing just at the moment, where there's there's really no future in amateur boxing? There, you know, the, the the Olympics mightn't even go ahead. It's it's on a tight wire at the moment. Uh, a lot of them amateur kids, they're not getting any fights. They're not even allowed to train. And it's a very unfortunate situation to be in because there's an immense amount of talent out there that's going to be overlooked. And, uh, you know, on our travels to L.A., it was absolutely brilliant. It was a, a life experience that, you know, not too many get the privilege to experience. The one thing I would say is... Uh, you know, bear in mind the age of the lads, they would have probably struggled if, if if I hadn't been around because it's not as easy as what it looks. It's a, it's a tough place. It's a tough environment to be in. The the boxing gyms would eat you alive. Uh, there's no easy way of, of looking at it. If you're on your own over there, it, it would be a very difficult place to be in. So you need you need a strong team around you. You need to be very mentally strong and and ready for the challenge so uh, it it's really benefited us in that we have like served our apprenticeship the, you know the lads have done you know almost three years over there and uh, it's proven really really beneficial it's hard to put your finger on that one thing but without a doubt they were they came at the back of a year when people were people were almost watching and hoping and you could you could see the reaction. You could gauge the reaction across Twitter, social media. The reaction was there. You could see it, and that's that's what you want. Leave them wanting more. Could we hope to see see them out early enough in the new year? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Stephen has uh, fight dates in. Uh, I think the first outing is going to be in March. Nothing is confirmed yet, but that's the speculation. Uh, with Aaron, we're waiting on Golden Boy to. Uh, give Aaron a date. It's only a matter of time. We're still in uh, that uh, department of uncertainty, you know, with flight restrictions, uh, you know, and travel restrictions that we are, you're, you're in no man's land, really, where you don't really know if you can get into America or not. So it's it's very hard to pin down a date in America. And uh, the only way you can get fighting in America is if you have a fight date. If there is options here for Aaron to fight, while we're here, we'd only be too gladly take them under Golden Boy's directive. With Golden Boy, we're going to see a change, aren't we? We're going to see a shift in the whole order of things. I think so, yeah. They're going to be looking at their young prospects coming through now, and there's going to be openings for young lads that manage to break through into the next into the next level. Ryan Garcia has been a breath fresh air for Golden Boy. He he went in and produced the goods. He beat Luke Campbell. He was very impressive looking at it. Done everything it said it was going to do. It was a, a very exciting fight to watch. If we ever see Stevie in the ring with Ryan Garcia and he has him in a position Luke Campbell had last week, he doesn't let a fellow off when he has him on the hook. And that is what you said. It's trained from the day one. That would be a massive fight. You know, if we ever got the opportunity 
we would take that. You know, if somebody said to us tomorrow, would you fight Ryan Garcia, you know, in, in six weeks' time? Of course, we'd take it. Uh, you know, we feel and we know that uh, Stephen would beat him, just particularly because of Stephen's fighting style. Ryan Garcia gets it really difficult to fight them, aggressive style fighters, them come forward fighters that's coming in loading up with punches because it's either Ryan Garcia knocks you out or you knock Ryan Garcia out. So that's the air of excitement that that fight brings. And Ryan would know that and he probably be a bit uncomfortable knowing that uh, the guy in front of him is trying to knock him out, particularly if they're an aggressive style fighter that can rough you up and make you feel uncomfortable in there. Another layer that the lads have the benefit of working with yourself all the way through, but they've worked with the likes of Freddie, they've worked with Buddy, they've worked with Garcia's, they've worked with some incredible names. So they're they're just, it's adding layers all the time, isn't it? And being able to draw on them then when they're needed. Yeah, well, you can see that the Ryan Garcia with Eddie has developed that wee bit of punching power the same in the same uh, level as what sort of Canelo is. So Canelo has the same sort of leverage and power in his punches. So you can see that coming out in Ryan Garcia with with the uh, with the boys and and what they've learned over in America. It's something similar. Uh, you know they've learned that if you hurt a fighter, take them out of there very very fast because a hurt fighter can come back and mm. and survive and end up beating you. So you, you don't want to, when you have all the advantages and, and you have somebody hurt, our motto would be, you know, lay it all out on the table. There's a lot of new eyes coming that are realising now and that are being surprised and excited by them. I'm sure they still excite you on a daily basis because that's, that's what talent does. It excites, it lifts people off their seats. What I'm trying to say is, well, it's no surprise that with the talent that they have, the experience that they're gaining, as you say, when, when they are then put pushed back a little bit and asked a few more questions, the answers are just going to get more and more resounding. Thank you all. Yeah, I really appreciate that. It's, it's like everything else. You're, you'll only see what you've really got as the boys develop and they develop the, the uh, characteristics of what it's like to be put under pressure and what way they're going to react to it and how they're going to handle it. I can see Stephen uh, pushing for a fight with Conor Ben. I think that would be a very mm-hmm. exciting fight, uh, you know, to take him to world level. So that'd be a fight we'd be very much interested in. Uh, with Aaron, we're looking, uh, you know, we can see Aaron taking on, uh, if he's still around, Patrick Tacteria. He's a golden boy fighter and he's the world champion at 154 pound so them's fights that in the very near future we'd be we'd be hoping to uh you know to get a hold of and if a rolling stone doesn't gather any moss well i think it's fair to say that these mckenna boys are like a a boulder that's that's absolutely storming down a hillside and taking everything in front of it in its way i know i know you got to take into account that the level of opposition and everything else, but the way they're doing it, the manner they're approaching it, and the manner that they're preparing and coming and bringing a presence and a violence at times, that is incredible. It's something special, and it's very, very eye-catching. Stephen is not one bit shy. He's not one bit backwards about coming forward, and he is absolutely adamant. He wants a shot at Conor Ben, and who could blame him? Because I think anybody with an accomplished boxing pedigree that gets at Conor, Conor Ben will do some some untold damage but best of luck to the lads and really looking forward to watching them over the next couple of months now as as lockdown is cleared it's in the past 
they get a chance to start spreading their wings. One of the things I prided myself on and the podcast on from the outset was the ability to join the dots around the world of, of Irish boxing people, whether they be in Australia, USA, whether they be in Asia, whether they be in Ireland and different parts of the country, and to mix and match, whether it's amateur, whether it's professional, whether it's retired, coaches, whatever the case may be. And, and one of the best parts of it was getting to speak to the young up-and-coming stars. Every other week from now on, you're going to have a club featured. So if you want your club featured in association with Irish Power Energy Drinks this week or next week or the following week, get in touch. Contact me through the social medias. The links will be in the notes below. Whether you're a brand new club just starting up, whether you're one that's been established, get in touch. be an absolute pleasure to speak with you to feature what you do and the important role that you play in these early stages of a young boxer when they step through the doors first. So whether you're in Donegal, Cork, whether you're in Dublin, Galway, whether you're in Belfast, no matter where you are, give me a shout. This week, there's no better place to kick it off than with a fixture on the boxing calendar. Every other year has been a stable, an event that ranks up there with the Haringey Cup, with the Strania Box Tournament and any other box cup you can think of around Europe. The Celtic Box Cup in Dungarvan has been one that all the very best fighters, both in Ireland, UK and farther afield, have fought at, won, competed and networked. I would go as far as to say there's very few Irish boxers who don't have a story that some point in some point in time, in some stage of their career, that doesn't feature around the Celtic Box Cup in Dungarvan. So I caught up with Jerry O'Mahony on Friday evening as he gave me a little bit of an insight as to how the event is going to run the early interest levels and what they're expecting and what they're hoping for and more importantly I guess to talk to me a little bit about his own club and what they do in Dungarvan and what the reaction has been and the the impact of a sensational Olympic Games only a few weeks ago. People are so enthusiastic to get back and and, and they were were restricted it's like everything you know if you're restricted to doing something that's the more you want to do it but I think I, I, I think I think people have just are just you know chopping at the base to get back into the ring, to get back boxing in front of in front of an audience, and and um, all of the response we're getting so far has been absolutely amazing, you know. And from I suppose the main reason uh, for this p- little piece is is to highlight there. It's it's one of the it's been one of the. The, the certainties on the boxing calendar every year. It's one that a lot of fighters use as their final preparations. It's going to coincide nicely with the seniors, I suppose. Won't, I don't, wouldn't say it'll clash. It'll just allow them to improve their their preparations and everything else. But how difficult is it to keep a show like the Dungarvan Box Cup on the road, Jerry? And then I suppose to to this year, then everything else, it's probably exasperated a little bit more, is it? Yes. Yeah, uh... At the start, like we, we had to cancel it last year, and again we were canceling it. We were going to cancel it this year. We had canceled it. It's normally on in September, but we we, uh, we decided then we, we might do a kind of a, a kind of a mini Kenton Cup, or just, just to get something going. Seeing as they are opening up, uh, uh, lifting the restrictions and that, and um, but the response we got, we said, "Gee, we we, we 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 go full out, full with it now," and. and uh, just continue to, like we always do to do the full Celtic Cup and, and uh, because it, it's hard to leave leave certain people out leave certain groups out it's very difficult to make that decision but, uh, but so we're, we're going to go ahead uh, full glass and it's just as easy to do it that way as it is to uh, break it down really you know because we have we have actually set in place with uh, Jablink and, and a company that do all the, the entries and do all the all the all the administration and so they've everything there, you know. 
and, and it's easier to continue that. We started off first with a lot of problems, and to get those problems ironed out, you know, but we seem to have it down to a kind of a fine art now, you know. And anyone that comes to the County Cup will, will realise that it runs fairly smoothly, you know. And uh, the first couple of years, we guys weren't turning up on time and everything else. But now they see they have to be there on time, they have to be there for the ways, they have to be there. So it's an early experience for coaches as well. This is how it's done on the international circuit where, you know, everything else, you, you get a lot of time to be there and you have to be there. But everyone seems, seems, seems to have um, come along with this. They've, they've come, come on board very enthusiastically. And um, they, they all seem to know now how it's done. I mean, I know there's several, several box cups around, but juggling work with most of them. Even the Harringay one now in London, which is the first one, I think. And then um, we kind of copied that. And um, But it, it runs very smoothly. It runs very, very smoothly. It runs smoothly, Jerry. I suppose, because you've got a well-oiled machine. You've got people in positions yes, who know yes, what they're doing. Yes. Um, you know what yes, you're doing. We've made a lot of mistakes at the start, but we've, we've, we've had about it open. It seems to go pretty well now, yeah. Yeah, and look, even if there are a few mistakes teething the issues this time round, I think what what I keep saying, and it's a little, it's almost become a little t- tagline of mine, is where were we this time last year? So if we do have a little yeah, mistake here or there, exactly. you know what it is, we're, we're a million times better off already. But um, yeah, I was going to say that to you, we, we've got the Haringey, we've got the likes of Strangia, and um, we've got the, the Celtic Box Cup as well. They're, 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 they're known all over the world, but I would say certainly around Europe anyways. But would it be, is it this one, is, is it Ireland only, or is it open international, or what way is it working this time around? Well, it's, it's open from anyone that mightn't be familiar or for people that may have forgot because boxers tend to know what happens today and tomorrow and after that then they don't really complicate things know, too much I so know, yeah. give, give us the running order on your plan as it stands right now and, and um, just to give us a brief outline of it not to go too much into it of the running of the of the event this year yeah, no, well, um, of the plan, I suppose, and, and, and then we can put the links, I'll put the links for, for anyone that oh, wants yes, to sign yes. up. Well, well, from this weekend, Jablink uh, should, should have all the uh, criteria up on, up on the website, and uh, it's cantyboxcup.com, and, and um, you can enter, enter online, I think it's 35 euro to enter, and, and um, all the weight categories and the age categories will be there. And the the the, um, the different classes. You have elite. You have senior. Then you'll have, have a kind of a like an intermediate senior, kind of a novice senior. And then you'll have the youth under 18s. And that's broken into two sections as well. Uh, Experience-wise, you say one to ten. I think 
it's one to tell I won 15 fights and then over that be kind of open class and youth as well so it's fairly well well, well um, um, structured so you, you, can, you, can, you can sign into it then uh, within the link and just sign in enter your boxer enter the weight and um, after that then you know we, we do the draws then and that you know it, it's um, it's over three days so, so it's, it'll be eight boxers to a division so you'll have, you'll have, you'll have like your three fights, you know, your your your, your quarter, semis, and final. And um, if you've more than eight boxes, then you then you put two two groups, so you have two champions at the one weight, you know. Very good. So, and as far as people travelling then and everything else, I mean, Waterford is one of the better places in the country that you can go for accommodation and everything. But again, yeah. we're going to have a few little. But but how is that going? How have you found that? Is it is it up to the fighters to organise their own? Is it? Yeah, yeah, they organise their own. Now we will have, we will have a list of of uh, hotels and, and guest houses on the website, but uh, most people seem to manage on their own. But I do know this year accommodation is going to be at a premium because it's the uh, midterm break. A lot of people are, are staycation now; they're not travelling abroad, so they're staying in Ireland. So Dungarvan has become a, a very popular place for the last couple of years with the Greenway and, and everything else, and with the COVID, people staying at home. People seem to have, have discovered Dungarvan, so it, it, it's a, it's it's very busy. <clears throat> but um, I thought October it might be as busy, but I've been asking around now, and, and, and a lot of places are full. But um, Hopefully, maybe Airbnb or maybe stay in surrounding areas, you know, um, maybe a couple of miles out of town or something, you know, if people have cars, they can stay outside of town. So, the, 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 the Gold Coast have holiday homes now, now that they're not full at the moment. Um, so, people can probably get, get in there, you know. Well, I'll put whatever links I can find, Jerry. I'll put the link for Jab and, yes, and everybody. Yes, I, yeah. I'm sure there's not just little. If that's the only concern to have, um, that's uh, not doing yeah. too bad at all. And uh, tell uh, me, Jerry, yeah. how, how many? How at this stage now? How many years is it, it's it's up and running? It's it's going on a while, isn't it? has gone through it over the years that have competed and one oh, of the yeah, stories come yeah, from it definitely definitely yeah um, a good few Olympians Kelly Harrington I suppose Kelly boxing nearly all of it now you know and, and um, she, she's a cunt favourite boxer she, she's done very well um, Aidan Welsh Aidan Welsh won it um, Darren O'Neill um, we had the Australian team over here uh, Sky Nicholson boxing it twice and she, she's very well known in Australia. Uh, she boxed at the Olympics uh, in Tokyo, but she, she wasn't that successful. But but uh, uh, we had some good names over from England, from, from, from uh, John Reynolds and a few more lads over from England as well. And, and um, 
like um, I suppose the reset button has been set now and it's like when you see the entries in the senior championships and everything else if, I'm, I'm not naive but uh, I, uh, if half of those entered and they put in their names well we, we're in for a real treat but just to close it out Jerry, what I'd say to you is um, having sat back and, and we've been all uh, for me it's been it's been a real eye opener it's been a case of listen you realise how lucky you are and what we really do have and what we have now and however long it takes to get back to full and I don't I don't want to use that word normal because what is normal you know we, we don't know what, what everyone is different but yes, exactly. having watched I, I, I know we all we all complained um, a lot of us were disappointed with things over the last two years but but I think we've come out of it okay you know we've come out of it fairly fairly okay um, and now to move forward is the whole thing you know and, and uh, you know the government done their best I suppose boxing association you know they don't, they don't what, what they were allowed to, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, they had the final instructions and everything else. I know we all give out about them and everything else, but at the same time, there's very little they could do. It was a unique situation, pandemic, like we, we never expected that. And um, I think we've come out fairly, fairly okay after, you know. Yeah, and just from your, the last point, I'll say to you, I haven't watched the Olympics. Um, for me personally, it was it was a joy to watch. It was like a tonic. It and almost each of those each of those fights, the three minutes allowed us forget what had gone on before. But I suppose for yourself, what what did they mean to you? And, and watching them, what, what were your thoughts? And, and and what sort of an impact have they had for you? And then I suppose the bigger picture and the cup itself. Yeah, the Olympics and and everything. Yeah, the Olympics and everything around it, like in the yeah, celebrations and. Newbridge man of mine don't worry I'll be contacting him I, I plan on sitting down with Dermot Yeah. 
100% the last thing the very last thing I'll say Jerry. Uh, for anyone down around the, the area who mightn't be familiar and haven't watched the Olympics they've got a couple of little budding little Rockies or Kelly Harringtons uh, tell us about yeah, tell us yeah. about your club and how it's going and tell us the numbers and what way it goes for you and, and the popularity must be through the roof right now but uh, tell us a little bit about the club itself and, and, and the age yeah, groups and everything yeah well, 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 well back down to the last couple of weeks uh, we had a registration night last Friday night so um Obviously, after the Olympics, you'll obviously get a huge upsurge of people wanting to, wanting to join. And a lot of them will face it out, I suppose, as the, as the winter comes upon us. But, but um, our club has gone since 1988. Um, we've, had some, we've had some good years and some, some proud years, you know. I suppose all clubs are the same and that, you know. But, um, at least, but it, it, um, this is our first year that we had an elite boxer going to the elite, which is Christina Desmond. She, 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 she's, a, she's a girl here in Dungarvan now, so she's transparent to Dungarvan box and stuff. So, but delighted to have an, an, an elite a, a previous champion in our club now. So, so we've, uh, I know we, we, we cheese with it, but, but we, have, we have an elite champion in the club, which is great, you know. Um, and we've had, we've had intermediate champions and we've had youth champions and that, but, but um, uh, you know, there's a couple of good lads there that we got ready for last year after we buy ones and buy twos, but it didn't happen. But so we still have them. We still have them on board. So we're hoping, we're hoping this year to have a good year. You know, yeah. And the likes of the Celtic Cup and the likes of the Olympics gives all those kids something to aim for. And and and, and uh, you know, they die watching the bigger lads boxing and to see how it's done. Of course it does. And just on your point there, that you're cheating it, I know it's a, it's only a kind of phrase, but the point is, uh, an athlete, yeah, an yeah. athlete, and a champion of Christina's standing wouldn't choose any old club. She wouldn't if she didn't see, like what she saw and she didn't think what she saw was quality. She she'd go elsewhere. So it's a credit to you and to the club. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 uh, well, I know Christina Jails, but but she's she's uh, yes. I mean, the, the, our club is is, is um, we try to we try to rule and rise and keep it rise and and. Uh, it's not always easy to do, but but, but the council here in Dungarvan, the, 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 the Walter City and County Council, now, they, they are very, very helpful to us. And, and, and um, they, we have a 99 year lease on our building. Uh, and, and, and you know, we all knock the councils, we all knock your local authorities now for different reasons. But I can only say in, Dun, in Dungarvan, they've been very, very good to us. Um, and and they, they give us a uh, uh, funding. Uh, festival funding, we get ten thousand euro of the council for the Celtic Cup towards it. You know, uh, it comes under the festival funding, which is very, very, very good. I mean, a lot of a lot of uh, councils don't do that. We're very fortunate, I think, here, here in Dungarvan with the with the council, you know. Yeah. And uh, so that, that's why we have a fairly, fairly well established club, and I suppose. Christina saw that as well. It, 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 it's, in the, it's in the heart of the community, like all boxing shows, but it's good. It's good. It, it, it's, you know, that's where things are at, and that's where, that's where boxing is probably, probably uh, does a lot of work besides teaching lads to box. It teaches them like a way of life as well. And, and boxing is is, um, is at the heart of communities. I think in every town now where boxing clubs are, there, they are really at the heart of things. And, and uh, working class and what, what, what have you, you know, so. so as is the case with most things these days, there's opinions, many different opinions out on Mick Conlon, whether he can and will win a world title, 
at what weight it will do it and how he will do it. But it's beyond, I think, anybody's doubt at this point that his career best performance came the last time against TJ Doheny and credit to TJ Doheny for bringing that performance out of him. Does he have the power to do it against the likes of Lee Wood or not? That will remain to be seen. And just as a side note, that entrance, that crowd performance, that spine-tingling rendition of Grace, wow. I mean, what is there to say about it? Just sensational. Belfast, take a bow. certainly his best performance yet um, I don't think there's anybody who could dispute that it's probably the first time that I've well I wouldn't say the first time but it's certainly like I was you know it's one of the first times I've really thought yeah he like as a pro um, he, he really he really can you know do he really can do it at that level um, the fact that he boxed Southpaw the whole way through and just you know, he, he has so much ability. People will always say about, you know, whether he can punch or not. Or he's, he's, you know, I, I hate it when that, that, that stuff is thrown at guys who aren't knockout artists. You know, like, you don't need to be. And there's very, very, there's very, very few genuine kind of power punchers in world boxing, um, either amateur or pro. What you're talking about is is a guy with, with Michael Conlon, I believe, is a guy who's who has the power to make opponents respect him enough not to, you know, think that they can walk through him. And that is, that has served that, that, that level of power has served some of the best boxers we've ever seen. You know, not everybody's Tommy Hearns or flattening guys, you know, like it, it doesn't always work out like that. So I think people get a wee bit preoccupied with that side of things. And he's talking about still boxing at, at super bantamweight. So he, you know, he's looking at Stephen Fulton and guys like that. But whenever you look at, you know, you mentioned, Jesse Dickens and uh, being, you know, being beaten by Kid Galahad. Then um, was that the following night? I think it might have been actually, um, or the week after, maybe was it? But you know, you're talking with him, Lee Wood, and these guys, and you're thinking, well, you know, if you put Michael Conlon in with with Kid Galahad, and I think Kid Galahad is is hugely underrated yeah. um, and has been for a long time. But I would, I would, you know, I would give Michael Conlon a good shot, a really good shot. I mean, he's he's been horrible to watch for so long, um, and that's why really nobody has cared about him. The way the way he's never developed any kind of a, a following or an yeah. interest. He's always he's always been the guy shouting from. You can't kind like of, him. He's not he, easy liked. Yeah, he's not. No, he's not easy liked. Even even after that that night, funny enough, um, <laughs> when he beat when he beat Jazz Dickens, he was on. I was driving home from somewhere. The only radio station I could get was Talk Sport. I think I was, I'd been. Yeah, I was at a match in. Cavan and I, I was driving the only radio station I get was Talk Sport and he, he came on. This was like about forty five minutes after and he Ben Davison was on the line as well, who's obviously Lee Wood's coach and yeah. he just was like he was just such a knob. Um and as he does tend to be unfortunately sometimes. For anybody looking for details, information on all the rundown on how to enter the Celtic Box Cup or all the different information surrounding that, I will put a link for it into tonight's show notes so you'll catch them just down below. And again, I ask everybody if you could just take the time. It'll only take a couple of seconds just to share whatever link, wherever you listen to it, however you listen to it, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, wherever, just to share it, pass it around and help us grow because this is the season where we want to grow at it even further. With me having been out of action and sick for some time, um, lots of interviews done, lots of news has been slipping by over the last few weeks and some is 
relevant enough and important enough to give its own time and its own slot. Others just want to kind of brush over. And some of the some of the light-hearted ones is it it makes me smile, it makes me laugh a little bit to see why is Eddie Hearn so bitter or bothered. Why is he so perturbed or pissed off or even remotely interested in what Sky Sports are doing or what they think? Because, let's face it, at the end of the day, Ed, you left Sky. You had a job for life and you left. So why all this acting up like um, trying to impress a new girlfriend or or what the case is? I'm not 100% sure. I don't get it. I genuinely don't get it. Nor do I get the bluster, the fanfare, the hula hooping that's going on around the zone because after all that initial uh, launch and all the initial, as I said, razzmatazz and bells and whistles, all the hot air was blown. But but what's changed, really? What has changed? Not much. It's like Sky with a new coat of paint. But when we look, as I said earlier on, with Sky and what they're unveiling and how they're unveiling it, and recently this week, the announcements by Sky, Wasserman, Boxer, John John Wishhausen, and of course the signing then of True George Groves signers, fighters like Josh Kelly. Um, it's incredible. You know, Sky really are, haven't had the gun put to their heads, they're having to up their game. And who better, I guess, to talk to us on this than a man who has been in boxing in many different capacities, in many different ways, and worn many different boxing hats. Over his tenure, he's been a world champion, he's been a coach, he's been a manager, he's been a promoter, he's been a mentor, and he is now a very big part, an integral part of of that Sky Boxing machine, which has just begun to rev its engines over the last couple of days. Carl has seen it all, he's seen the highs, the lows, he's seen the absolute depths of despair and tragedy, and he joined me a few weeks back to talk about that and everything else over his career that has really been something special. I guess trained, I've never really been out of the gym, I'm always doing something, whether it's running, circuits, bit of boxing, I'm always training so I'm fit, but no, I'm no way near boxing fit, my weight's down now and I'm enjoying life, the lockdown was good for me, uh, got me uh, a bit more time to myself, usually I'm full on with everybody else, so I had a bit more time to myself to do my own things and get myself right, I went on a new diet and yeah, so all good. I mean, it's going to be 16 years in September since my last fight, so a long, long time ago. I've officially been retired 15 years due to a, a change in my scan. Um, so I decided just enough was enough and then call it a daylight. I mean, I missed it for the first year. I had a little bit of depression, was a bit down, you know, I was a bit lost. Got myself a few fires here, double training fires. And, and uh, once I got a few fires, I got a manager's license. Then I thought, well, managing kids now, and I need a place to promote them. So I got myself a promoter's license. And we aim really what just to build a few kids up locally. And I won the British Masters in 1999. I mean, I was the, I was the first person to ever win that, or maybe the second. Um, from the first crack in the middle of the year in Thailand, Serbia played. I was only a young rookie pro. I had 12 pro fights, not done a three minute round, been doing all eight twos and six twos back in the day. And I got offered him for the area title and 10 threes. And to be honest with you, I won the fight. I just never got the decision. It was in Birmingham on his own show. Lost by the old half a point, which is a round. Oh. Um, yeah. And then I learned a lot from that fight. It, it, you know what I mean? It, it changed me, changed my career around, really. I proved that I was strong and fit enough to do the rounds. And I won 12 on a trot then, including, um, obviously winning the British Masters. 
And then uh, I won the Midlands area, got a crack at the British title, uh, lost to Gomez, uh, a formidable champion, yeah. and I won six on a trot, and I boxed, got a chance to box Alex Arthur, probably the biggest high profile fight, um, live on Sky, in front of 12,000 at the Tele West Arena, sold out arena in, 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 uh, in Newcastle, chief support to Joe Kalzaki and uh, Ricky Allen, I was third down on the on the bill line. Got the chance to defend against uh, Carl Johansson, it was a bit of an unknown, but was an unbelievable fire. Um, he come over. He, he was. He's based in Leeds. He was originally from Leeds in England. Moved over to America. Set up camp over there and, and lived there and boxed there and he had a fantastic record. I think he was 14 wins and one draw when he boxed me. His draw was against Kobe Kovalaze. Uh, uh, I think he was an Olympic silver medalist or world medalist. And one of them was a good, good fire. And uh, yeah, I boxed him. And to be honest with you, I'd grown the weight. Um, should never really have been in there that night with him. I should have moved up a long time before that, but I boxed him and uh, I went out on my shield. I mean, I retired almost all after three with uh, with uh, triple vision. To be honest, it was a bit of a strange one. I had a lot of personal problems going on at the time, a lot of things happening. But no, listen, all excuses. But yeah. that was probably the only excuse he ever had in that fight against then all the others. You know what I mean? But yeah, then they had a, then I had a chance to. Um, for the first ever fighter to box in Gibraltar uh, professionally, so I topped the bill there due to my contacts over there and friends and, and the, the, the trained over there for a while. Um, and then they had another fight after that, I last had homecoming really in my local town. And then after that, I was due to defend uh, to fight for the um, British title eliminator. Um, but sadly, I failed a routine brain scan. So, a fella I've got really close with and got really friendly with uh, since I started doing this, it's just amazing to learn from him, is Wayne McCullough. And he had a similar, if I'm right in saying... Oh, listen, you know what? I'm glad you just mentioned that, and you're not going to believe this. In 2001, I failed a scan for the first time. Nah, it was the same time as Wayne McCullough. There was 14 of us that failed. There was a new new doctor come on board, a new medical, the new new medical chief chief medical officer for the border control, and he looked at these scans and 14 of us, including Wayne McCulloch and a couple of other high-profile fires. Um, I can't remember the names, but yeah, but I always remember Wayne McCulloch. He was one of them, and we failed at the same time. It took me 10 months yeah. to get my license back. I got I got my license back, but rewinding the story from training and good training in 2001 I actually applied for my trainer's license I was only 24 year old and um, I got my own gym and I was training fires because I didn't know whether I'd get my license back so in that time I built a little stable up just as a trainer and we're training all my old stable mates you know what I mean yeah yeah and um, when I got my license back obviously I had to I had to come away from that and concentrate on myself but that was really when I got my biggest fight I mean I got the Arthur fight I got the WBF full title fight I got the Johansson fight and had a chance to headline in Gibraltar we actually spoke about it the other night it really set him back a long way and I suppose from your point of view you were still young enough at that time weren't you you were able to come back from it clearly I was still I mean when I I was still young when I fell again I mean I was 28 year old you know what I mean so um yeah because in 2005 I had another change but I personally think my changes was down to dehydration I was I was 
on the horrible side of a tragedy yourself you know as opposed to him. I, I listened to an interview recently with young Ryan Burnett as well and he had the similar it's there's no it doesn't matter who you are or what stage of your career you're at is it there's a very strict set of credentials I don't like comparing eras or fighters or anything else because to me I love them all but I suppose the most impressionable time of my life was was in those 90s when we were seeing those fight shows live on terrestrial TV we were seeing Gomez we were seeing Arthur and Gomez at each other we were seeing Eubank Ben Collins um, it must have been a very special part to, for you now to be able to look back, not just for all your achievements, but you were a part of that era too in that scene. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny really because I got the chance to fight for the British title as a voluntary, to be honest. I wanted a manager position. I was always in, I was never out of the top 10, to be honest. I mean, I think the highest ever got ranked was number six. But, um, I mean, I was very unfortunate who I actually come up against as a voluntary. I mean, listen, you've got Michael Gomez, young boxer of the yeah. year, went on to do good things. Thank you. 
twice on it, you're getting kids acting the clown on it, and, and you're just showing the sort of characters they are, you know what I mean? Back in the day, we, we never had none of that. We just fought, you know, we yeah. were told we were fighting. We never really studied it. We never had nothing to go off. Probably an old VHS video, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's, um, it's, it's remarkable, like say, how, how the game's changed and good or bad social media, I don't know. And then the way that the game's moving forward, I mean, the kids are earning big, big money now as well. I mean, these ticket deals, I mean, I never had ticket deals when I was boxing. If I did, I'd have made a lot, lot more money because I was a big seller. But the kids, are some of the, the money some of these kids are walking away with now on ticket deals is remarkable. And you're getting kids still slagging promoters and not getting paid a lot. But at the end of the day, they know the deal. I mean, if they don't want to sell tickets, go on their own and have a proper fight, you know what I mean? Don't get criticising the promoter because you've not been paid very well. There's a deal to be done and you've not done your side of the deal. You ain't been able to sell the tickets, you know what I mean? And there's kids who's on the on the ticket deals that have signed massive tickets and earning big money. You don't hear them saying anything, they're happy as Larry. You know what I mean? Stood out for me the most in lockdown was we got to check, we got to weed out a little bit of the chat. Yeah, yeah. What we did see was we saw fellas and and uh, he broke me heart last year. Right? Deck to me is the is that old style throwback man. Wherever it's on, tell me when it's on. How much is involved, whatever, and we're going. And then David Avenisian and Josh Kelly. I mean, they're to me are two of the biggest stories to come out of lockdown. I wasn't long at this when when I connected with him and uh, made to this day it's the hardest interview I've ever done. But when he knocked out that kid in the semi final and he ran to the neutral corner. And went. I mean, that's the stuff that films are made of. Boxing is such a it's such a weird and wonderful place. But is there? How do you even begin to come back from a scenario like that, Carl? We've been through a lot together, and obviously the most the, the difficult time was obviously the Scott Westcalf story, and, and and obviously Scott losing his life, which was which was terrible. I mean, we were in a bad place both of us. Then we had to stick together and had many a chat, and um, we decided to give it another go with him, and uh, what they did for for Scott in memory of him. And, that's what he's done, but I mean, obviously we got off with them fights. I mean, the Lyndon Arthur one. I mean, Lyndon's very good. Don't get me wrong, very good boxer. But I mean, we got what four weeks notice. That was ridiculous. The amount of overweight. Um, we accepted it. It was just a matter of getting the weight off really for the training. And he boxed, and he managed to go the twelve rounds, which was remarkable considering the amount of weight he took off. Never ever put a fire through that again. I learned a lot from that fight. I was just happy he managed to go the twelve rounds for what we went through. And then I'll be honest with you, the the yard the yard one got mentioned. Um, nothing come of it, and then out of the blue, Deck had a week or two out of the gym, and then out of the blue, we got another four weeks call. We're struggling to get someone for Anton Yard. Would Deck be up for it? And we looked at him. We said, yeah, but we did it an eye away. We did it in twelve twelve, and he never had the weight. Cut that he did against um, against Arthur, and obviously went in there and he was in he was in a lot better better shape and a lot better mentally and had done the weight a lot better. But the only difference was, um, I mean, it was a it was a premature stoppage, and I think that wouldn't managed to do he didn't do as well as he could, but I think he would have done a lot better if the, if um, he'd have been a level playing field. He's a strong character, definitely.
but what has actually been through yeah. to be involved in a tragedy, um, I mean, it is, it's, it's very, very difficult. I mean, I personally, as a manager trainer, if it were one of my boys that lost a life in the ring, I don't know. It's, it, I don't know what I could, what I'd do. It hurt me. It hurt me bad enough with Scott. I mean, and he was the opponent. And I've also been involved in a couple of others. I mean, obviously John Joe Finnegan when he boxed Ryan Ryan Clark, who's who's my fighter. I mean, John Joe was in a bad way, very bad way. Um, he nearly lost his life. Um, so as a I've been involved on the other side of it. Back to deck, I mean, just come back the way he did after what he went through. And listen, the biggest story really was he always said he would, he'd love to win. And obviously, in memory of Scott, because he lost to Scott in an eliminator. So he said, if I could win this, this is for Scott. He would have been English mm. champion. He beat me fair and square. He would have gone on to be English champion. I've gone and done it for him. No, I worked my hardest to get to win the purse bids. I mean, I won the bids. I got the fight in his hometown. He was fighting the champion, a good champion as well. He was a very, very good amateur, Kurt Garvey. Um, and he was the, the, the champion. He won a vacant title and, and he went for it and beat a very good fighter to, to win it. Um, the way we actually, we could have sat back on that, defended yeah. it and, and moved forward that way. But we got an opportunity to fight uh, um, Shaq and Peters, good money on a big platform, BT Sport. They fancied he could beat him he, over 10 rounds and he had his moments and nearly did beat him. He had him shot to his boots a couple of times, but mm. it wasn't to be. But he's just turned, I mean, he's lost his last three all at a very high level and he's just not. You know what I mean? Probably how we planned it to go. But listen, his, his name's out there. He's had, a, he's had a great career. At the end of the day, like I say to people, at the end of your career, I can sit here now. I wasn't the greatest. I was a, a top domestic level fighter. Um, managed to win a, a version of a, of a minor world title, which was great. But I was a top domestic level fighter. I'm not one that's deluded. You know what I mean? I don't sit here and go on, I was a world champion or that because it's a load of bollocks. But that's just me. I'm a grounded lad. Yeah. Some people probably would go down that route, you know what I mean? Probably have had open top buses in their own town. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, yeah. it's, but what I'm saying is, I can sit here now and I can talk to you now, and I've just reeled off my box, Alex Arthur, European champion, WBO interim world champion. You know what I mean? I boxed Michael Gomez. He won a WBU. He was a bit, bit bigger than WBF. What Ricky Atten had, he won a WBU. He won the Donsdale by Ryan. He was involved in probably one of the best ever British title yeah. fights. Very good fight. And I boxed Carl Johansson. He, was a, he won the British. You know what I mean? Many other... Beat Ricky Burns. Had Ricky Burns out five. Dropped him five times. You know what I mean? Or what Ricky Burns went on to do. You know what I mean? Lost for the European. I can see him stepping in with these guys. And Dick can do the same. I always said to Dick, look, you can sit there. He went in with Anthony Yard, who pushed Kovalev very close. Who was still boxing now. Could go on to do other things. And uh, Lyndon Arthur. You know what I mean? Very good fighter. He'd been with Shaq and Pitt, British champion. And... He beat Kurt Garvey, was a top amateur GB, EBA champion. You know what I mean? And that's what it is. These kids that's got padded records can be in a pub in 10 years' time. Yeah. And they may say, what was your record? Oh, I was 20 and 1, mate. Uh, who did you box? And they'd be embarrassed to say who they boxed because they never actually boxed anybody. And, 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 and some of them don't want the test. I mean, it's looking like the way we are to sharpen it. I mean, I mean... Uh, 
was getting scared. You know what I mean? And getting it together. I mean, who ain't pushed anybody? If one fight could catch you, he wouldn't have gone nowhere near Bowen. You know what I mean? And his best name on his record. And it's a good win, but that was fucking... Yeah. He, he bit chinny and he was fucked at the weight. You know what I mean? Um, and he ain't been out since, so... No. Yeah. And he was just pretty found the punch, which I never thought he had, to be honest. Yeah. I'm surprised me, but... Yeah, I mean, that is, I forgot about that. Well, yeah, but fair play, that was a good win. Just to round out what you're saying there on your own career and on Dex's career, you're modest and you're humble, and that's what people love about you. But what carries more in this game is respect. You don't blow your own trumpet. You don't. St- you do what you do, and you and you do it with a level of humility and respect. I'm picking moments here because there's so many. David Avenisian's win. I remember sitting in the car listening to you on Sky on a podcast. I think you were on with Matt Macklin and the lads. And I remember listening, and I text you just after. From knowing what I know about you and how you were, I just knew you knew what was coming, and I just got that feeling. And I remember saying it to you. Did you find in that fight it came about? Very quickly. Did you think it came around quicker than you thought, or was that when it was going to happen? I always knew David uh, David would beat Josh Kelly. I mean, if you listen to what I, how I predicted the fight would go, you would think that someone had ripped the script, you know what I mean? No. Written the script down for me, and I just copied it. It was unbelievable how it turned out. Everything I said happened in that fight. I knew Kelly had started fast. I knew he'd make David look bad at times. I knew he'd make him miss. But I just knew that David would find a way, you know what I mean? I knew with his pressure and how he worked and how he studied Josh Kelly, how he fought, how he liked to do his work, have a breather, you know what I mean? And I said to David, just don't let him breathe, you know what I mean? Once, yeah. he's, once he's done his work, he wants to go away and be flashed and have a rest and go on the battlefield. Just keep pushing him back, keep pressing him, keep making him work, even if you're not punches him. Exactly how what we planned. The way he crumbled so fast was remarkable. I mean, he got to him in round five. He was starting to really make a dent. You know what I mean? Mm. And then round six, he just fell apart. Um, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I did say I predicted it to the script, but that was probably a little bit sooner than I expected. I mean, I expected um, probably around nine, round seven to nine. I mean, probably late, late nine. Um, but he did fall apart quickly. You know what I mean? But well, for me, it seemed to be a little bit put on him. He was making him work harder than he wanted to work, and. Um, Without signing disrespectful, I mean, I'm not one to slag any trainer in that, but I just think Adam Booth got it all wrong. Mm. I mean, I've listened to what he was saying in the corner, and uh, for somebody that's meant to be such an elite trainer and a mastermind of boxing, I mean, he got it completely wrong, to be honest with you. It seemed to I me, mean, it seemed to me like I when... I mean, he was, on, he was the one in the build upon Sky that... And I never got my name mentioned once, no. but did the, uh, the tactics of the fight, Coldwell and Dayton, Tony Bellew for Sky, and they were saying, yeah, uh, Adam would never have taught this fight if he didn't think David, if he didn't think Kelly had beat him, and Adam's uh, a mastermind of boxing, Adam's this, Adam knows this. Uh, I was like cringing, you know what I mean? And I didn't watch that until two weeks after the fight, you know what I mean? It was hard to watch. And, uh, I thought if I'd have watched that before, I may as well not. Have, I may as well have left David in his own towel, you know what I mean? And not turned up because it was just like I never had a chance. I won't mention once, you know what I mean? And I've been in boxing all my life since mm. nine years old. I've done it from every single level, you know what I mean? Adam Booth was a personal trainer that got friendly with David A and, and wheeled his way in that way. And it's happening all over again now with, with the likes of Ben Davis and people like that. Look, I'm not hating on anybody. You're right. 
you're right. You're, there's ways of doing things. It's like going from first gear to fifth gear in a car. You can't because eventually somewhere it's going to happen. We have another fellow who's who's living on the back of a very popular and well-known surname. He gets a big high-profile win, and I'm shouting at the TV, there's only one fight to make. There's only one fight to make if he is that level. But Conor Ben doesn't want any piece of David Avenisian. So what's going to happen for David now? Well, they've asked us to vacate. Um, we said we would have done it if he can offer us a, a bigger fight in replacement, and that they can't deliver. So, I mean, they can't get us a name. I won't. I mean, they've even admitted to nil, so we're in a bit of a situation now where we've been offered fights, but they're the wrong ones, banana skins. I mean, why should David go back to yeah. fighting these prospects? He's done that. With the risk of getting beat when he could fight for a world title, you know what I mean? When he's in that position, he's in a top five across the board, every single organisation. Why risk fighting a 16 and 1 American or 16 and 0 Mexican or whatever, what we've been offered? So we have a fight. A, 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 longer but we're seeing a narrative change now with with the moving of matchroom it's going to broaden the horizons a little bit and the two guys that have been that have been brought in and the names hugely respectable what can you tell us about the likes of john wishhausen and you've you've worked alongside these guys John did and he didn't do a lot for three years or two and then um, 
obviously Ultimate Boxer heard about him and he come in and he replaced me as head of boxing and I just did the matchmaking. So we worked together in December on that show there and um, yeah, great show. I mean, we was limited to how many fights we could have on. We only ended up doing a four-man tournament. Zach Shelley won it. The undercards fell apart a bit because we had a couple of COVID test failures. So we got away with it. It wasn't the best of shows. But um, yeah, and then obviously... This has all come about now that John's obviously got them deal with with uh, Sky Sports through his obviously his history with working with Sky for many years, and now he's, he's teamed up with Ultimate Boxer, so they've got the deal. So um, exciting times, I mean, and obviously I'll be I'll be working alongside him. I don't know whether I'll be. I mean, I presume I'll be staying on to do the matchmakers. A lot of things to sort out now. I mean, it's a big heavy workload that they're going to have now. Mm-hmm. They've got twenty shows. Um, a year for on a four year contract, it's a lot of shows, you know what I mean? And with me being a promoter myself, my agent trainer, matchmaker, it's, it's an heavy load, you know what I mean? So it's exciting times, Doc Harlan. We'll see, but I mean, what exciting times? I mean, they're open to work with any other promoter. I mean, I know they've made calls to Errol Johnson, to Steve Wood, to Steffi Ball, um, probably Brilliant. other promoters, you know what I mean? So Brilliant. Any, any promoter, that any manager who, who's got good fighters it's not under contract um i'm sure we'll get an opportunity now and i mean uh, what, what what better place the box has never been in such a good place you've got the fire zone out that, that dennis has brought out which is great same again the opportunity for fires i mean he's offering good contracts and then you've got i mean eddie's gone to the zone i mean that's more for the top end high profile fires but same again i mean Channel 5, and he's just signing a lot of kids up. And Mick Hennessy as well, yeah. It's he, remarkable, really, how, how good boxing is. They're doing the, um, the shows. I mean, the, 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 they're going to be doing the, the tournaments. Um, I think they've gone away from the ultimate now. This is called Box with Double X. But, um, yeah, they've gone, they're going to be doing tournaments. Um, they're still going to be doing that. So, yeah, I mean... It is fantastic, really. I mean, uh, who's actually got the deal? And and um, I know John's a very, very likable guy. Um, he's probably the most well-liked man in boxing, to be honest. He's got no one's got a bad word to say against him. And, yeah. um, lovely fella, and uh, he'll give people opportunities. Are we going to see and hear a lot more of Carl Greaves across Sky Sports and and the likes over the next couple of weeks? Uh, the eyes profile was David Abanisi. We're waiting on a big fight for him. So hopefully he'll be on a big network soon, whether it's Sky, the zone, and I don't know, even BT Sport, we don't know. I mean his options are open. We've got Ryland Chart on them training. He's signed to match room. We're waiting on the news of a date for him. So you should be seeing me on a TV platform soon. I'll be on Fight Zone on Friday night when the up and coming prospects down on Stan Harden. And I should be on a few more of these fires and shows. Well, listen, Carl, I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate chatting with you. I really appreciate the call, Al. You're a top man, mate. It's been a good chat. I've enjoyed it. Not half as much as I did. And do you know something? It's fellas like Carl Greaves that would give you hope and allow you to believe that there is a bright, good future for boxing where people will take care of, look out for, respect the fighters and make sure that they not not that you want them getting any more than they deserve just just want them to be looked after it's very easy and simple to understand why Carl Greaves is so respected and so popular in boxing circles 
and I can't wait to keep in touch, catch up and watch him grow as this Sky Sports Boxing season develops and unfolds. That's about it for me and them until then. There was lots more I wanted to go over over this episode, but it was important to get this one out, get myself back on the road and not to get any farther behind the curve than I already am. Please, if you get a chance, take a moment, share like, subscribe to the podcast on wherever your podcast platform that you prefer to listen on. No matter what else comes or goes, we're going to have episodes coming thick and fast. The next one coming up, we're going to have Eamon Lochran, former middleweight world champion. You're going to have a full-length episode with Ray Moylet and lots more to come. So whatever comes over the few days and weeks ahead, and as the evenings draw in and the weather gets a little bit cooler, don't ever forget, all's well that ends well. <laughs>